0: Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. We're going to talk about the honey locust which is a tree that is all over the world, but it was shrinking because we think it was preyed upon by mammoths. And it's super interesting how it got to be distributed from its native range. But before we get too far into it, Mike, how are you doing? What are you drinking?
1: Well, we're talking about trees, so that should uh, define how I'm doing. And unfortunately, I'm drinking something very... Appropriate. I'm drinking some Old Forester.
0: Well, there you go. I myself just have uh, some Evan Williams here with me. Huh,
1: inflation's you know, inflation really hurting <laughs> you.
0: So, honey locust, the scientific name is Gladizia tricanthos. It's called tricanthos because it has thorns on it. Three thorns, three toothed is what the Latin name means. And it's a super interesting tree that you've seen before. You've definitely seen their fruit. They look like really long green beans that are black, like a foot long.
1: I imagine if I'm looking at the grocery store, I know exactly what you're talking about. Kind of by the potatoes, kind of by the peppers, depending on your grocery store. Well, they don't have. They don't
0: sell them in stores. All right, never
1: mind. I'm thinking of something completely different.
0: <laughs> no, but you, you'll if you see them on the street, you'll know what they are. I'll try and post some pictures when this comes out. What's super interesting is this tree used to be, so it kind of was scattered in the southeast, south-central from Texas, part of the Midwest, around Illinois, kind of, yeah, and then kind of takes off on the west side of the Appalachians and down. So the honey locust is a super common tree that people plant all over you know, neighborhoods and cities, mostly cities where people walk on soil a lot. It can survive in pretty acidic soils, so the side of, you know, big metropolitan areas where you have who knows what, bunch of dog shit, cat shit, motor oil, whatever whatever's leaking can get in there and the tree will still survive. But they had to first breed it without the thorns because it is super thorny. And when it grows in the wild and we don't exactly know for certain but we think so there's a bunch of species that have these giant fruits and nothing that's alive today disperses these fruits so it's just kind of weird and yes i mean deer will eat these and you know move them around but it's not like they're preferred meal desperate times call for desperate measures yeah the seeds have been found in mammoth poop and intestines so we know the mammoths ate them and a picture that i saw the thorns tend to stop about like 15 20 feet up about the range like mammoths push trees over and so the thought process is that this tree grew thorns as a defense against being pushed over by mammoths before the fruits were ready were ripe right because the tree doesn't want their fruits to be taken off before they're you know fully complete because it's trying to reproduce it's trying to make those seeds fruit and then spread but if they're eaten before then they're not going to spread and so this tree since you know its historical range used to be a lot bigger but it's been shrinking because well mammoths don't spread this anymore and then humans came and we found out that it could grow in all our tough places to grow stuff and so then we started spreading it but there's a whole bunch of different trees uh, probably one of the most famous ones like osage orange that has this giant fruit and it's all these plants that the they believe We're going to use mammoths, but I guess the scientific word is Pleistocene megafauna, right? So all these giant animals spread all this stuff. And so what we're seeing is all this stuff that was around and adapted to survive in certain conditions, but aren't there anymore. So you have this honey locust tree, and then you have this Osage orange with this big, tough fruit that everyone's like, what are these trees trying to protect themselves against? Because nothing here is preying on them nothing is eating this you know why do antelopes why can they run 55 miles an hour when there's nothing there that chases them well it's because antelopes used to have you know the american uh leopard or what is it lion cougar some giant cat that chased them and so i think it's just crazy that you know we're for a long time we're trying to figure out what what are these animals defending against. Well, it's something that they've adapted to live with for so long that's no longer there, but they still have these adaptations. Is it bad, like uh, Nature
1: is really good at PTSD? Like you eaten enough times, you learn a trait,
0: you'll never forget that trait. Yeah, exactly. And so you have all these like so it doesn't you know, antelopes their defense mechanism isn't hurting them. But you have all these trees that, well, their, where their fruits were normally scattered by these giant things that aren't being scattered anymore. So over time, like their area they grow is only shrinking, right? Because their fruits fall off and they fall right next to the tree, and nothing's really moving them. And so you're going to see a continued shrinking of these areas. You know, again, outside of the fact that we're planting these everywhere, but we're not planting the original the you know natural genetics of these everywhere we're planting domesticated versions and so we're so it's like witnessing a slow motion i mean i guess all extinctions are kind of slow except some are very rapid unless a meteor comes yeah unless a meteor comes but we're like watching these trees slowly disappear obviously there's you know plans you know state and federal are working to maintain the populations but in a pure natural landscape you would just see a continued shrinking of these species because they're adapted for a world that they no longer live in which i think is just crazy and like there's you know you can eat some people i think can eat some of some people have eaten these but it's not they're not like a main meal for anyone they're not desired it's just kind of like a cool thing and so You're just getting less and less and over time we're going to have less and less of these and i just thought it was cool just to i I think about this tree all the time i think it's one of the the coolest you know non-conifer tree i had to throw that out there but because every time i see it i just think about man like this tree is from a time when mammoths like were around and obviously i've never seen one in the wild because i live in the pacific northwest well outside of their range And so I really want to see one of these fully thorned up in the wild and just kind of think about, man, like imagine defend, like having to defend against mammoths as a tree, right? Like you can't move. So you have to evolve something that can stop these mammoths from destroying it because, you know, a tree takes 20, 30 years to grow. And maybe I, I, I don't know how long it takes a mammoth to push over a tree but probably not very long i mean they just put a foot up right i do have a question how push the tree over? how big are these spikes how
1: how thorny like are like are we talking like uh full coverage are we talking kind of like uh barbed wire are we talking like what is the like thorn size is it like a pencil is it a needle like what what are we looking at
0: imagine like an inch long needle with three of them coming out and then just kind of all over the tree i'll send you a picture but it's it's enough that like you're not going to climb it you're not you're going to look at it and uh not want to touch it pretty pretty it kind of goes all around the tree it, it gets a little bit starts a little bit above the base and taps out about 20 30 feet For those listening, the best way
1: I can describe this is think of an edge of a branch in the dead of winter. All the leaves are gone, and all exposed are the small twigs at the end of it, and that's what it looks like, but they're thorns. I would say they extrude maybe eight inches off the trunk, and they kind of look like, uh, well, old-fashioned barbed wire in one sense or another. Not as many prongs as one might think, but definitely enough where you wouldn't want to stick your hand into it. And I would have to say twigs is about the right uh, diameter. It looks like it varies across the trunk. And this is just a non-tree expert trying to help the other layman's out there.
0: Yeah, no, um, that's the hard part about doing a podcast about something you're trying to look at. So I sent you another picture, and this is the one that I'll post on social media. It shows the tree, and then it shows the thorns. And it has a very specific picture.
1: area. The the pic the picture you sent me, which we'll pull up on we'll put on Instagram, is they develop thorns at the exact. Imagine a an elephant, and right at where the shoulders and the head top head are, top to the knees, is only where the thorns are. They this is very specific of just to. <laughs> this is my enemy. I will only guard against this enemy. If a beaver came along, I don't give a fuck. But mammoths, I give a fuck.
0: Yeah, and then so another one of these fruits that trees that is protected because of uh you know large predators or not predators large herbivores is the avocado. So every time that you have to. Get out an avocado. I'm trying to remember what animal it was that they're protecting against. Giant sloths were the ones who were targeting the avocados. So every time you have to like wrestle for that avocado, get that heart out of there, that was just a defense mechanism for giant sloths. Good to know. And then Kentucky coffee tree seed pods. That's another species that is adapted for species that aren't here anymore. Uh, yeah, the Ohio State University has a really cool article called Honey Locust and Mastodons that talks about all the different stuff and why, you know, what species were here are adapted for stuff that no longer exists, which I think is just crazy because obviously there's no more Mastodons, but, you know, everyone's always like, what, what did the world look like? Well, a lot of those plants are still here.
1: Nick, I'm not going to lie. My first instinct is if we bring the mammoths back
0: we have the trees yeah. yeah so i mean i'm sure they eat a ton of different stuff but this is just part of it you know as herbivores they probably seasonally move around but yeah it's just crazy i don't know something i'm super fascinated by
1: well it isn't it to me the most intriguing part about it is how specific where the thorn, the thorns are grown On the height off the ground to a very specific height up the trunk they it's very specialized
0: yeah and again this isn't settled science like some people don't think that this is a mammoth defense some people do i i think it is especially and so one part you have the like you said the needles that protect where the mammoth is and second we don't there's nothing alive today that this thing needs needles to protect against and mammoths have been found to eat these now could it be like deer where they'll eat them but it's not their favorite maybe but i you know it it seems like a very specific defense could it be like a sloth or something maybe but you think they could just get above that from another tree it, it seems very mammoth specific i mean we may never know we'll probably never 100 percent know because until we bring uh mastodon back we don't uh, have any way to test it but it seems like a good reason to bring a mastodon back
1: well you don't have to convince me i'm i'm down to bring that back and if it involves uh, trees i i will suffer through that
0: so yeah so just just all you know just go about your day and just next time you see one of these trees think about the predators they had to defend themselves with and if you take anything away from this it'll probably be giant sloths are the reason avocados are so hard to eat. So at least you learn something you can talk about with other people. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.